Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. thought I'd hear the word sexy legs in church. Okay, so if I haven't met you before, my name's Grant, one of the teaching pastors here, and uh, glad that you're here. Some of you are freaked out a little bit right now because of the combination of electronics and water. Now, I want to put your mind at rest. The worst that can happen is if my battery pack falls off, I'm going to get a little nine-volt jolt, and the way we're going to handle that is I'm just going to go, hallelujah, and you guys... You guys are going to go, let the spirit fall. Jesus, help us out now, okay? So we're going to work together. We're going to work together on that. So I'm studying in a coffee shop this past week, and a young guy pops himself down across from me. He says, I got a question about Easter. Were those stories real? I, re I was so tempted to say, no, nope, we made them all up. Not a word of it was true. I wanted to, but I didn't. His follow-up question, could Jesus do the same thing for me? that he did for Derek and Monty and Kaylee. Amen. I said, if you're willing to give your life fully and completely to him, if you're willing to fully surrender to Jesus, then the answer to that is absolutely. This morning, uh, I'm going to show you another story because we actually kind of ran out of time in the Easter service and we wanted to make sure that this young lady's story didn't get mi uh, missed. Uh, about two years ago, I ran into a wonderful young lady from South Africa and her, her accent just kind of made her a person that I wanted to listen to and you're going to hear that in just a moment. When Renelle showed up at Christ the King, she came under the most tragic of circumstances. Renelle's husband, Paul, and his best friend, Tony, went out for an early morning bike ride about two years ago. They were struck by an impaired driver who was on his way home from a party, and they were both killed. And Renelle came staggering into Christ the King, facing the unbelievable belief of losing not only her husband, but his best friend. And out of that tragic story, God gave her an opportunity to embrace her full identity in Jesus. It's been tough, but she is so unbelievably courageous. And I want to give you an opportunity to hear her story too. Let's watch it together on the screens. About two years ago, my husband, Paul and Tony, and his best friend, Tony, left on a bike. They went about 6.15 in the morning and they, they went out riding their bikes. Their paths crossed fatally with three young people, 20-year-olds, who were returning home from a party, graduation party, and he finally fell asleep behind the wheel. And he hit Paul and Tony at 55 miles an hour. And the witnesses rushed immediately to Paul and Tony. 
try to revive them. They couldn't, they were gone. I couldn't get my head around how they could do what they did. Why did they keep driving? Why did they break the law in the first place? And then afterwards, I wanted to just hear them say, I'm sorry. I wanted to just know that they were hurting. I wanted to just be able to, to see it, to know it was true, to know that they weren't monsters, that they were just like us, that I could forgive them. And God brought me here. He brought me to CTK. He provided a series on the low and how to find God in the lowest moments of your life. Right when I was having to write my victim impact statements and right when I was trying to figure out what was I supposed to say to this man. And he helped me each step. Even when I thought, okay, I can do this now, and I stopped listening to the series. He bugged me and he said, you need to start listening to them again. I've got something more for you. He taught me that he wanted me to use me, that he wanted it to be his voice, and not my voice that was heard in court. And he wanted me to tell Mr. Hartley that he can't find forgiveness in a court of law, but that God had forgiven him. Definitely by having, by losing the one person that I love more than anything else in the world, the only person that I love. As much as God wants me to love him, I love Paul as much as God wants me to love him. God taught me how much he wants me to love him. <laughs> He taught me that he wants me to miss relationship with him as much as I miss my relationship with Paul. That he wants me to pour as much love into my relationship with him as I poured into my relationship with Paul. I know what's important and what matters and I know it's relationships and I know it's about being kind to people. And God has restored me to that point that I can't just walk away from someone who isn't yet restored to God and just leave him in prison and say, it's up to you now. That when I honor that part of my soul, I can find it back again and I can find my purpose in it. And I can say, you might not yet know how much God loves you, but I'm gonna make sure you do. <laughs> and other people out there might not you know how much God loves them, but somehow in some way, God willing, I can help them too. And God is showing me ways in which I can do that. Rennell had to cross a line of salvation. That was the first line that she crossed. And then she had to cross a line of forgiveness, across a line of learning really, really hard lessons. She had to cross a line of handing vengeance over to God and letting him take care of that. Because we all know we just don't do very well with vengeance. She crossed another line this morning at the 9.30 service. She was number four in the line to get baptized in that tank right over there. Her story's not done, neither's yours. In fact, I'm going to say something. I hope if you don't remember anything else today, you'll remember this. If you're not dead, God's not done. Amen. Amen. 
I'm going to give you another shot at that 11.15 because I know you can do better than that. Let me try it one more time. If you're not dead, God's not done. What if today's your day to cross a line of obedience? What if today actually the unthinkable happens and the Holy Spirit of God pounds on your heart and says, today I want you to cross a line of obedience and you actually listen to him and do what he says to do? I just want to plant that seed right now. This weekend I'd like to introduce you to a guy named Philip. In scripture, he's known as Philip the Evangelist. He is a man who steps fully into his spiritual identity through a moment of obedience. The Bible tells us a few interesting facts about Philip. Philip had four daughters, and they all knew how to preach. It's a powerful family right there. And he's an ordinary guy until he starts crossing lines of faith, and God begins to use him to touch the life of another human being. This weekend, we're going to watch Philip cross line after line after line. If you've got a Bible with you, you can look at Acts chapter 8, because in Acts chapter 8, we find Philip crossing the line of direction. The Bible says this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Those of you who've traveled with me in Israel and those of you who are going to be traveling with me, that is a dry, dusty, desolate place. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it, okay? Can you picture the awkward moment? Like, just go stand over there, and I'll tell you what to do in just a couple of moments. I have spent the better part of a week trying to figure out a politically correct way to explain to a very diverse crowd of people what a eunuch is. I love my job. (laughs) I love my job, okay? I'm going to do my best, And parents, I'm going to tell you on the front end, if this makes you or your kids uncomfortable and they ask you an awkward question on the way home, don't write me a letter. Unless, of course, their response is really, really, really funny and then bring it on because I'd love to hear what it is that happens in your car on the way home after this. So, this is my explanation of what a eunuch was. A eunuch was a male who had been castrated so that he could oversee the king's harem without getting involved in the king's business. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, everybody got that? If you don't like my best shot to explain what a eunuch is, next week I will welcome you to preach at all three services of Christ the King, and you can explain the Old Testament covenant of circumcision. We'll see how that goes for you. Okay, so... Seriously, this man had been a victim of forcible sexual mutilation. He was marked. He was scarred for his whole life, and that was his identity. But God was going to give him a new identity. Philip is instructed by God to go have a conversation with the man. They're standing on the side of the road. I love the direction. Just go and stand near the chariot, Philip. It's going to be awkward, but trust me. Here's the application for all of us. Go when the Holy Spirit says go. I mean, when God prompts you to do something, there is, you, you, you gain everything by actually being obedient in that moment. When God tells you to go and you say, no, I don't want to be embarrassed, you lose an opportunity to be blessed in that moment. I just want to encourage you to step out and follow that prompting. Some of you are going to be prompted this morning. I'm going to encourage you to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you that would argue with me and say, Grant, God doesn't talk to me that way. Okay, let's do this. Let's make a deal. The next time you see a person crying, just try and have a human response. Walk over, pray for a second, say, God help me, and then ask this question. Are you okay? 
and watch what God does. Next, we find Philip crossing the line of opportunity. I love his passion. The Bible says, then Philip ran up to the chariot. Just like, I'm in. And he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Philip could have walked on by. Renelle said she's actually made a, a promise in her life that she's no longer going to walk by someone because everyone that, that needs God needs someone to actually reflect who God is and His love in those moments. Philip could have argued with God, but he doesn't. Instead, it says he ran up to it. He's ready to go. He's planning on going. He's waiting for an opportunity. What's the point? I know this is theologically deep, but let's just do it. The application is just act when the Holy Spirit says Act. So go when he says go, act when he says act, be responsive. When the prompt comes, don't hesitate. And I'll also throw something else in there. Don't be weird about it. Okay, I mean, do you hear his normal question? It's a great question. Hey, what are you reading? Looking for a moment to start a conversation. The next line is, that actually gets crossed is actually crossed by Philip's new Ethiopian friend. He crosses the line of honesty. He's actually reading a passage of Scripture that we read together here on Good Friday when we looked back at the death of Jesus. He read these words that were written 700 years before Jesus even showed up. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who's this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? That's an honest question. It deserves an honest answer. For those of you who are seeking God, you showed up here on Easter trying to figure out what in the world God was saying to you, I want you to know your questions are safe here. It's okay to be a skeptic here. To some of you, you've been estranged from God. You knew him at one time, but you turned your back like I did I didn't just turn my back, I turned my back. I opened the door, I closed the door. I opened the door, I closed the door. Finally came to my senses and said, maybe this Jesus thing actually does make a lot of sense. Whatever journey you're on, it's okay to ask questions. You know how Ronell grew? She asked questions. Why does God allow this kind of pain? Why is there evil in the world? Why doesn't God just fix it for everybody? Those are valid, valid questions and they deserve an answer. So here's an application. When you don't know an answer, ask. Ask somebody, I got this issue going on in my life. What is going on? To those of you who are believers, I've got a suggestion when someone comes to you with a question and the suggestion is this, be prepared with a humble answer and don't be afraid to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. We believe every question warrants a good answer, but if we don't know, it doesn't do us any good to fake it, people. Do we understand that? When someone comes with an honest question, it doesn't do you any good to throw out a bunch of religious jargon. I mean, what good does it do if someone comes along and says, I just don't know why my life is so messed up? It's not helpful if you respond this way. Well, according to the Latin Vulgate and the existential approach to the sovereignist position, I would theorize that the reason your life sucks is because that's just the way it is. Here, have a Christian bumper sticker and see how that goes for you. Some of you are nodding because you've actually experienced that kind of an answer before. On behalf of the family of God, I'm sorry that someone oversimplified your pain. We've got to take responsibility as followers of God to find answers for people. 
because the eunuch crosses this line of honesty, I love my brother Philip. He crosses the line of boldness. Verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He says, you need to know, this is, Isaiah wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about a man named Jesus who was born 700 years later. He was the lamb that was led to the slaughter. He was the one that didn't open his mouth and defend himself because he loved you so much. He knew that he had to die on a cross to pay a price in full. Jesus is the one who this man is pointing to and talking about. And then he opens it up for an opportunity for him to know Jesus and love Jesus and surrender to Jesus. I mean, here's an application for all of us. When in doubt, speak about Jesus. Speak about Jesus. Don't talk about what you've done for him. Brag about everything he's done for you. For some of us in this room, we can honestly say, Jesus saved my life. He saved my life. Brag about it. I got asked last week, don't you ever get tired of speaking about Jesus? (laughs) No. I'm like a band that has one song. That's all I have. I've got one song, but it's a story about an 18-year-old kid in Brandon, Manitoba, who was going the wrong direction really, really, really fast. And God reached down, saved my life, turned me around, and stuck a microphone on my head to talk about him over and over and over again because he's the best story I've got. Philip tells this man the good news about Jesus. By the way, one more thing that's important. If anyone ever tells you bad news about Jesus, they're talking about the wrong Jesus, just so you know. Philip shares about Jesus and the man is changed. And then we find him crossing a line of obedience. Here it comes. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Then he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he reached the place of Caesarea. Three weeks from yesterday, a group of about 50 of us are heading to Israel. And in three weeks, we're going to be standing on the hallowed ground in a little town called Caesarea. And while we're there, we'll pray for you because you guys will be doing church while we're hanging out there. All kinds of application, but I'm just going to do one. You know what I love about the Ethiopian? He just stops with all the excuses and obeys. So there's a thought. Stop with all the excuses and obey. Let me make this as clear as I possibly can. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, if you know that Jesus has crossed every line for you, the line of life, the line of death, the line of resurrection, if you know that Jesus went to the cross specifically for you, then you need to also know this. The biblical pattern is this. You repent and come to Jesus and then you're baptized. Now we put a class in between because we actually want people to fully understand what this moment is, but the pattern is still the same. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. So I'm going to ask you a question. Here is water. Why shouldn't you be baptized? Stick with me. Because I know what happens. The first thing that happens is excuses just start running through your brain. I don't want to mess with my hair. I don't want to get wet. I want my grandma to see. I'm allergic to water, whatever the excuse, okay? I'm going to ask you the question again. 
Let's not play spiritual games. Here is water. If you haven't, why shouldn't you be baptized? Let me give you a baptism class in 60 seconds. Baptism is a public statement that you understand that Jesus died for you. That's why we put people under the water. It's a symbol of being buried alive. Baptism is a public statement that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we don't leave people down under the water. (laughs) We'll bring you right back up again because we actually believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. And it's an opportunity in community to come together with your brothers and sisters and say, I'm going to cross a line. Jesus is not ashamed of me. I'm not ashamed of him. I don't care if he tells me to get wet or stand in my head and spin in 360 degrees. I'm going to do whatever Jesus asks me to do because that's the best thing that I can do as a disciple and a follower of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some people are just like, but I don't want to get baptized because there's this expectation that I have to live perfectly from that point onward. Can I tell you something? Just because you get baptized does not mean your sin is shoes are taken care of. I'm living proof of that. We all will stumble and fall, but this is a line of declaration. This is a line of obedience. We've got a number of people who are ready to cross the line today, but, but I just want to talk to you for a moment again, and I'm going to ask you the question. If you're here and you know Jesus and you've never been baptized, here's water. Why wouldn't you? So let's go over the excuses one by one because I can see them playing in the room right now. Grant, I didn't bring clothes and a towel. That's okay. We've got clothes for you. And we have towels for you. And you could go backstage in just a couple of moments and change into another outfit that we've got for you and then we'll send you back home again in the same clothes that you came in. No harm, no foul. Got you covered. How about this one? Well, my grandma's not here. My grandma's been praying for me for a really long time. I'm going to tell you something. If your granny loves Jesus and she knew the Holy Spirit of God was telling you to get baptized, your grandma would say, in the name of Jesus, get in the tank. (laughs) She'd say, send me a picture, but don't wait for me. You know it's true. I actually hear this one a lot. I don't want to get my hair wet. How do you say that to a king and a savior who soaked his hair in blood to save your soul? How about this one? And I know this one's actually legitimate. Grant, I'm just scared of being in front of people. Fear comes from the devil. Perfect love casts out all fear. If that's your fear, look the devil in the face right now and say, not today. Not today. So you know what's coming. So here's what I'm going to just lay the groundwork for it. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You didn't plan on getting baptized, but today's your day. Here's water. I got two tanks. I got two tanks and all the time in the world. Don't worry, we'll wrap up on time, I promise. But if the Holy Spirit is prompting you for the very first time, 
to take a step of obedience. Why not today? Why not today? I do want you to know this is a serious Holy Spirit prompting moment. We don't do bad hair day baptisms at Christ the King Church. Just because you had a bad day or a bad week, there are other ways that the, that the word actually tells us to look after those things. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to confess. We're supposed to repent. We're supposed to be in community and share those stories with each other. I'm not talking about just because you had a bad moment, it's time. I'm going to tell you something. If you got baptized once, it took, okay? It's stuck. You're good. But if you're having a Holy Spirit moment with Jesus right now and he's saying, you know what? I gave you a new identity. It's time to go public. Then I don't want to let our, our process get in your way. In fact, I'm going to call you out in just a moment because I believe this is a game changer. And just so you know that you're not going to be alone, I'd like to introduce you to 20 or something really, really good friends, some of whom just came to Jesus in the last two weeks, and they're going to come out on the stage, and they're going to join me right now, and then I'm going to talk to you and give you your opportunity. So Pastor Todd's going to bring them out, and I think that's just fantastic and good. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.